Welcome in everybody to another episode of The Rant. Thanks a lot for all the new listeners who have either discovered me through my partnership with jagoffsports.com or through social media, or if you're the old listeners who have stayed with me since the beginning, I thank you again for listening. If you don't know what Jagoff, please go ahead and go on to jagoffsports.com and check out all their content. They themselves have a podcast that I appeared on this week. It appears every Thursday. They got two episodes. You can go listen to them. You can read their content and their blogs that are up on the website. And you can also find my podcast up on that website as well. Okay, so we're going to dive into today. We have some big, big kind of news for me. It is big news for me. It's probably the most important thing that's happened this week for me. And then we'll talk about some other stuff um, as it transpires in the NFL. But the biggest news of the week by far is that Costco will now start enforcing membership ID when going to the concession stand. That is huge. That's huge news, everyone. Massive news. I can't tell you how mad I get that there are just a bunch of homeless people and a bunch of people trying to get into the Costco concession stand. Okay. That is a privilege, not a right, people. And of course, I'm sure it's going to be fought out here in California so hard. But listen, you pay the $60 it is for a membership of Costco, okay? And part of the benefit of that membership that you pay is the ability to receive dollar churros and 59 cent soft drinks, okay? That is the, the payout for paying $60 a year. For the membership. For first of all, one, it's not even that expensive. Okay. So all those freeloaders who can afford to have a Costco membership, but not afford somehow to go into the concession stand without one, it, it makes no sense at all. You people are the part of the problem, not so not the solution. But it does affect my shopping experience when I go in there and it's just full of like a bunch of degenerates, and I'm trying to get a churro, and then they're like, you know, so busy that I have to wait like 15, 20 minutes to get a churro and a soft drink, which this was never the case. When I lived back on the East Coast, the Costco concession stand was inside the Costco. It was, it was, it was like a sanctuary. You had to be ID'd by the guy and showed him your membership ID, and then you got to go get the pizza or the hot dogs or the soft drinks or the churros or the frozen yogurt. Right, That was your reward for going into the store. That was your reward for going through Costco. Okay, you went and got the delicious Costco concession stand stuff that you deserved, that the membership holder deserved. Now, all of a sudden, they started building these Costcos where the concession stand is on the outside. Again, this this blows my mind that this even started happening, and, and it was just free food for everyone. Dollar churros and dollar and fifty nine cent soft drinks for everyone. Dollar fifty hot dogs for everyone. No, that's not it. That, that's not it at all. You are taking advantage of the system. We live in a society. In the society, there's rules. Part of those rules were you needed a membership to be shopping at Costco. Part of Costco is the Costco concession stand. Therefore, by the transitive property of Costco, you need a membership to receive the delicious Costco concession stand goods that are there and available for you. And thank God, now the news, I posted it on my Twitter, you can go see it, Costco is now cracking down 
on those concession stands. They will be IDing people at the concession stand, and you will not receive your discounted concession stand goods without proof of membership. And thank God, thank God, somebody had to do it. Okay, somebody had to, and Costco did. Thank the Lord. And listen, if you're somehow against this, well, I don't understand how you would be against this. Okay, e you could totally email me at uh, therandyliagmail.com. You know, at me on Twitter. I want to hear your response. I want to know why you're mad about this. This is probably the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I can't tell you. I was literally just at Costco yesterday, and I went and I waited in line for 20 minutes to get a churro because there's a bunch of degenerates. And I was in line with my girlfriend, and I was talking about how Costco has changed, how everyone has been taking advantage of the system, and there's this really giant, tall security guard in front of me, and I was, you know, I was getting, you know, I was doing my whole my thing, my rant, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, people shouldn't be using this without an ID. And the guy turned around and like stared at me and like goffed. Like, how could you say that? Like, I'm here to get a cheap hot dog. You know, I'm just a working class guy. Hey, working class guy, pay the $60 for the membership, you freeloading piece of absolute garbage. How about that? How about that? Anyway, we're going to move on off of the Costco topic and we're going to go into uh, some CBA negotiation talks. So again, I didn't think my whole thing was going to come to fruition in a matter of two days. It's looking like it's not, because if you didn't listen to my last episode um, regarding the CBA negotiations, go ahead and stop right now, listen to that one, and come back to this one, because that episode pretty much set the table for what is happening right now. The only thing that is concerning to me is that the players are actually listening at this point. There were talks as of earlier today that they might sign this deal, this new deal, this new proposed CBA that would add a 17-game season, plus it would add two more playoff spots um, to the current playoff system. It would be a 19-week season with two buys, and uh, basically it would run all the way till the Super Bowl would be President's Day weekend, which I have been on board for for the longest time. The Super Bowl needs to be pushed back. Even if you don't make it a 17-game season, if you make, if you push the start of the season back just two weeks, then you would have the Super Bowl being President's Day weekend, which would mean everybody would get that, uh, you know, the the next Monday. That's you know the starting of the next week, President's Day weekend, the Monday off, and therefore the Super Bowl would become almost like a national holiday. And everyone who literally doesn't show up to work anyway, I mean, there was a just a stat that came out after this Super Bowl that 75% of the workforce called off for the, for that Monday, right? That called off work because of the Super Bowl. And that basically means to me that 75% of the people that are working in this world probably aren't needed because if you can do your job on Monday and they don't show up to work and everything's peachy keen and 75% of the workforce doesn't show up yet, the workforce keeps going there's probably 75% of the people that are just employed to just have a bullshit job. But that's another argument we can have on another day. But basically what I'm saying is I've been on board with that idea for the longest time. I want the Super Bowl to be on that weekend so everyone gets that Monday off. Everyone can party their face off on Saturday, get trashed, and they don't have to worry about going into work the next day. That's huge. That should be a thing. That should definitely be as the new schedule, whether it's a 17-game season or not. But the blowback here is what I said before, is that they dangled the carrot over the heads of the players saying, we'll give, we're, 
and this and this is the really crazy part. They didn't even and in the current proposed CBA, they didn't even offer marijuana. All they did was they'd say, "Hey, we're just not going to test for it as hard." They didn't say they weren't going to test for it. Period. They said we're not going to test for it as hard. So basically, allowing you to smoke without actually allowing you to smoke. And then, on top of that, they would give them forty-eight point five percent of current revenue split and shared. Right? Players would get forty-eight point five percent of the shared revenue, and during and this is the real kicker during that 17th game played because obviously that players are paid by game checks right you get paid for the games you play uh, if your salary is x right if your salary is 20 million dollars and you get you divide that by 16 that's your game check every week well the 17 game screws that up so they said well we know the math's going to be screwed up but what we're going to do is pay everybody on the 17th game, $250,000, which to the majority of the league, well, I wouldn't say the majority, but the majority of starters in the league, that's way less. That's a pay cut to them. They lose money on the 17th game. So that's a, a, a black eye in the face of the negotiations for the, for the player's side, for the union side. They obviously wouldn't want that because the star players are pretty much putting their you know, health and safety on the line for what amounts to $250,000. Now, you and me might say, oh, I'd go out on a Sunday and play ball for $250,000. Yes, but me and you aren't professional athletes who have been making millions and millions of dollars for sacrificing, you know, their overall safety and health for the future. That's part of the trade-off. The trade-off is why they make millions of dollars because they sacrifice that. So it's really funny because you sit here and honestly... I don't blame fans. I don't because when when the ownership came forward and they said we want a 17 game season and we want to add more playoff games, the fan of the sport is going to obviously be on side of the players. And, and it's funny because this is it seems to me the only union in sports that is behind the eight ball is the NFL players union, and it seems the fans always back the ownership. The fans always want to side with the billionaires over the millionaires. It's weird. You know, in a class society where we have these class warfare, where we currently people running for president are trying to instill class warfare on you again and trying to raise, you know, the working class to fight the high and rich people, we at home, football fans, side with the billionaires over the millionaires almost every single time. And again, I can't fault that. I do the same thing. I root for the logo. I don't root for players. I root for the logo. I root for the billionaire owner, Mr. Rooney, and I don't care about the players. Obviously, I want them to win. And I want them to be successful. And part of that trade-off is they make millions of dollars. But when it comes to negotiations, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't want a 17-game season. I think it would be great. Now, at the same account of that, I have to come out and say, obviously, if I was the CBA, which I did in my other episode, if I was the CBA, I would call the league out and call them out about how hypocritical they are in trying to tell everyone 17 games is great for the league, extra playoff games is great for the league. By the way, we still care about player safety. You can't do both. You're not allowed to do both. You can't say we care about player safety, but we want you to play 17-game season and add two and add four extra playoff games. That's ludicrous. You can't do that. Dumb. So 
Here's what it comes down to, though. They were real. Oh, from what the news was, and Adam Scheffner was reporting on this. What the news was, they were actively trying to get the deal signed today, which, again, was the ownership trying to push the issue. Right? They're saying, "Hey, this is the best deal you're going to get. You better sign it," which is a load of absolute horse manure. But the fact that the players were even close to signing, which is what we were hearing. There were only a few people that were speaking out against the current proposed CBA is really asinine because you are now signing if you're the CBA in a position where you have absolutely no leverage at all because the only part where you actually start to gain leverage is when it gets closer and closer to 2021. This current CBA has a full year under its belt to exist. After this season, they need to get another deal done or it goes into a lockout and it's a strike. And that's the last thing the NFL wants. They don't want a strike. They can play hardball all they want and say we don't care. They absolutely do care. The amount of revenue they make on per game uh, by the viewers, by the big network television people that pay to put their, you know, their games on television, the money they make off of the sponsorships, off of the commercials, that would not exist. So they don't want to do that. They absolutely do not want this to go to a lockout. So, obviously, if I was the CBA, I would tell them to go pound rocks and we'll renegotiate at a later date. And that seems to be what's happening, but it took a lot more people um, to actually hold out from, from what it sounded like. I mean, I was just reading the, the news, and Adam Scheffner was saying, hey, we're really close to, to a deal being signed, and then all of a sudden it was... Uh, it seems to be a couple people are speaking out, and they're the ones saying no. So I'm not exactly sure who those union members are or the union reps are that basically halted the entire deal, but it's something that 100% should be done because what they are doing is they're not playing this game right. They're getting played again. They are using, again, like I said, this whole marijuana thing is using as a bargaining chip that doesn't make sense at all. It makes zero sense at all. They need to call the league out on being hypocrites. That's what's going to get things done. And they can still have a 17-game season, but they, they need to negotiate more. The, the, what happens is both sides of the table need to lose. That's how negotiations should work to benefit both sides. right? If, if the owners come in and they say, we want a 17-game season and we also want you to have this much of the revenue, and you come back and say, We'll play a 17-game season. We'll lose on that end, but we're definitely not losing on this deal. We need more than 48.5% of revenue if we're going to play a 17-game season. We also need to get paid more than $250,000 just you know, league-wide for that 17th game because that's horse manure. Now, that, is a, that is a terrible, terrible proposed deal. I don't know how it even got its way onto paper, but that's a terrible, terrible deal. So I don't know what's going to happen from here on out, but I do know that it looks like the deal negotiations are, they've walked away from the table of negotiating at this point. But the, the union needs to go back to the drawing board. They need to go back and they need to think about what's going to be best for them in order to get this to happen. Because I can tell you right now, this is never going away. They might not be able to agree on it this year, and for the next, uh, you know, of the 17 game season of the proposed CBA, but it's not going away. They're going to want 17 games. They're going to want more playoff games. That's where the money's at. Playoffs is where the money is at 
for the NFL. They want more of those games. And maybe they'll they'll go away from a 17-game season this year and just opt for more playoff games as a counter to everything. But they don't they don't want that to disappear. That's going to be a an arguing point from here till the other for the next eternity because that's what that's what they want. They want more money, they want more revenue. So uh, honestly, I told you guys before, I think ultimately what's going to happen is the players union will lose and the owners will win because that seems to happen every single time. Okay, this was this is a, a union who by the way at one point had 55% of revenue going their way. This was back in the day, but they had 55% of revenue going their way negotiated in their contracts. Yet now they're at 48.5. How do you go from having 55 in control of the union and then somehow relinquishing more percents along the way to billionaires? That doesn't make any sense. That's the worst union ever. And they are the worst union in sports, 100%. They still haven't figured out how to negotiate for for uh, guaranteed contracts, how to get rid of the franchise tags slash the transition tag. Now, apparently, you can only use one of those tags. That's in the new pro CBA. But they should be, they should be, you know, completely gotten, um, um, you know, expelled off of the current CBA because those are the things that keep free agency not free. The whole point of free agency is you bet on yourself to make a lot of money on another team or your current team if that's the way you want to do it. But being tagged, it's good for the it's good for the owner, it's good for the team, but it's not good for the player and it actually is not free agency. If you can tag someone, that means you're not free. So there's a lot of big issues, a lot of big problems that are occurring right now between these two negotiations and we will keep uh, a weather eye on it and I will keep you guys updated as it transpires. Uh, but we're going to move into the next segment today, and that's going to be talking about just the free agent quarterbacks and where I think some of these guys are going to go and what are the talks around the league of where these guys going to end up. So I'm just on a list right now on uh, SportingNews.com. It's just showing me uh, a list of, of the most known guys that are free agents quarterbacks this year. So obviously... Probably the biggest name that everyone talks about, and he's been in the news a lot recently, is Dak Prescott because there's been some ludicrous statements made. I know Emmett Smith came out and said that Dak Prescott should take less in salary but then ask for more in endorsement money because he's the face of the Cowboys. Okay, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and that is like a homer Emmett Smith just trying to keep the team together and basically telling Dak that he's not worth the amount of money he's asking, but he could get that money by endorsing himself. And that's a total slap in the face to Dak Prescott if you're actually reading through the uh, you know reading through the lines there, so to speak. And if I'm Dak, I'm telling Emmett Smith to to stay the hell out of my personal affairs because I'm the guy trying to negotiate here. And listen, if I'm Dak, I'm obviously asking for the most money I can, but I have to be realistic. It doesn't make sense to pay him what you would pay a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a $45 million a year quarterback. It's just the way it's going to be, at least. And you're not going to pay Dak that kind of money. That's what the market is dictating for franchise quarterbacks right now 
in the $40 million range. I'm not paying Dak Prescott that. Now, I might have to make a hard decision as Jerry Jones and just say, sorry, Dak, I'm not paying you, bye, and just trade up in the draft and try to go get one of those quarterbacks. That's been a lot of talk uh, in the draft recently that maybe Jerry makes some moves to trade up and try to get like Tua or one of those guys, but I'm not paying Dak $40 million a year. He was he had his best stat- holy crap, I can't talk today. He had his best statistical season of his career this year, and the team went eight and eight. Or um, yeah, whatever. They they went five or no, seven and eight. Or seven and nine. Whatever they went. They didn't have they didn't even win the division. That's all you need to know. They didn't make the playoffs, didn't win the division. They were terrible. Yet Dak had his best statistical year. So that's what you get with Dak. He's he's not that great of a quarterback. He's okay at best. Can he be good in a system? I think he can, but he's not worth $40 million, and I think the Dallas Cowboys should honestly part ways. Now, Drew Brees, another interesting name here. It seems to be that the Saints are going to hold on to Brees, and that means that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be available, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be able to um, be de- you know decently affordable, because he did have a pretty good span of games while Breeze was injured with that thumb injury, and I think that's going to be enough to get him on a roster. I don't know where he goes per se, but I think he's a talented guy who maybe can help a team win now if you have a solid defense behind you. When I think of Teddy Bridgewater, I think maybe like... The, the only problem here when I say this name is because they just paid Jacoby Brissett a lot of money, but I think the Colts would be an interesting move to go get Teddy Bridgewater because you have so much you have so much cap space. You have a young offensive line. You have young talent at wide receiver. You have a really good defense. You have one of the best offensive lines in football. I think it might make sense to go out and get a guy like that if you can cut a Jacoby Brissett, but I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out, but... All we do know is that for most of the talks, Saints are going to keep Drew Brees and cut Teddy Bridgewater. Then we have Tom Brady, everyone's you know favorite name to throw around everywhere. Like I said before, I don't see how the Patriots don't re-sign Brady. It just makes sense for them at a position right now where they don't have a lot of draft capital because they got rid of that second-round pick to go get Mohamed Sanu. Their offensive line is bad. They need offensive playmakers, and maybe they can go, you know, find some supplemental guys in free agency. But Brady's going to want probably $30 million a year to go play. There's been talks that the Raiders have supposedly said they would give Brady $60 million to go play in Vegas for two years. I would never go there if I was Tom. I would never want to go to that franchise where they don't have everything set in stone yet. The only place where I said would make sense is if you went to L.A. and played with the Chargers, who have a bunch of offensive talent, who have, you know, they have some suspect offensive line, but their offensive line was really banged up this year. Their defense is young and talented. The only problem is you move to the Chargers, and now you have to play Pat Mahomes twice. And that's the same thing when you go to the Raiders. And if I was going to pick between the Raiders and the Chargers, knowing that I had to play Patrick Mahomes twice, I would definitely pick the Chargers. But it just makes more sense to stay in a weak division where you can pretty much, like I said before, if you listen to my podcast before, you're pretty much almost guaranteed to make the playoffs 
as the Patriots when you're in a division with Buffalo being the second best team. The other two teams are absolute garbage. The Miami Dolphins are going to be rebuilding and they're going to be terrible for the next couple years. Uh, same thing with the Jets. They just don't have it all figured out yet. So I think it's smarter for Brady to stay where he is. Next up is Ryan Tannehill. I think ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to franchise Tannehill here. They're going to franchise Ryan Tannehill, and that means Marcus Mariota is going to be up uh, and out of there looking for a new home. Uh, the only other problem is with when it comes to the Titans is that they're going to have to figure out uh, what they're going to do with Derrick Henry because his, his contract is also up. So it looks like he's going to command a lot of big money, which I guess I would have to think about paying him just because he's been relatively healthy. But you still have to know that when, like I said before on this program dozens of times, when you sign a running back to big money, it can backfire quickly. We've seen that happen now with Le'Veon Bell. We saw it happen in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. I would be hesitant to do so, but just because of the crazy good season that Derrick Henry had and the fact that you can franchise Tannehill and then have money to maybe negotiate a bigger deal with Derrick Henry, that would be the only way to think about that. But I don't see any way Tannehill leaves the Titans. I think he's getting franchise tag. Jameis Winston. So, obviously, the news of Jameis Winston getting LASIK Maybe that makes him more enticing to some people. I don't know. I would not want a guy like Winston. He's not a good leader. He's super inconsistent. Maybe the LASIK helps that, you know, 30 NFL interceptions, which is hilarious, by the way, because everyone was complaining about Ben Roethlisberger, you know, two years ago when he led the league in interceptions. I believe he had like, you know, less than 20 interceptions. I could probably pull it up, but I forget the stat. But everyone was clamoring that he, you know, he led the league in yards, and yet everyone was like, but yeah, he threw he threw the ball away 17, 18 times. Yeah, okay. Winston threw the ball away 30 times, and he also led the, the league in passing yards. So Ben is a lot better off than Winston here. Ben did not get, you know, throw the ball away 30 times. Right. But he also had 33 passing touchdowns. So, again, Winston is a re really high risk, high reward type of player. Uh, it's and if the thing that is the red flag here, though, is that Bruce Arians, right, who is pretty much considered to be one of the quote unquote quarterback whisperers of our generation, right, or of the generation of, of, of football in the NFL since he came into the league wasn't able to get Winston to be more accurate. And that's kind of a red flag if a team wants to kind of take a flyer on him is you had one of the best, you know, NFL quarterback coaches as your head coach and you still couldn't get it done. I don't know what I don't know who's going to be interested in him, but I think ultimately the Bucks might bring him back if if the contract's cheap enough but I don't see them franchising him, and I and I would honestly believe that they would maybe take a flyer on somebody else, and that somebody else is right below him at Phillip Rivers, and I talked about this a little bit before on this program. I think you're going to have Bruce Arians, who was in that class, um, being a coach when those three guys, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, and Eli Manning were drafted. The best, you know, that was probably the deepest quarterback draft um, in, in a very long while, and I think Arians is going to say, I think I can get this guy 
to play into my system where he can be still a productive quarterback, but he stops doing the bad habits that he thinks he can still do at the age that he is. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see Rivers move to Tampa and then Jameis move elsewhere. And the reason I say this is because it has come, you know, just through the miracle of social media that the Rivers family, him and his like, you know, 40,000 children have moved into into a house in Florida. They left LA and they moved to Florida. So it only makes sense that they would try to negotiate with Tampa because it's close to where they move now. Anyway, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap up today's episode. I went through some big names there for you. Uh, so this episode, Costco, quarterbacks, and CBAs. Uh, let me know what you guys think about anything I said today. You can email me, therantelia.gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at therantelia, and you can follow me on Instagram, at therantwitheli. And uh, let me know what you guys thought about today's episode, what you guys want me to talk about in the future. And remember to check out jagoffsports.com for all of their content, their blogs, their posts, and my post as well. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, remember to share this episode with friends, families, dogs, cousins, uncles, aunts, whoever. And uh, I will continue to bring you guys new content moving forward. Thanks again for listening, guys. And I will see you when I see you.